Hey, it's Sarah and Kristen. Welcome back for another episode of the Into the Wee Hours podcast. Whew, it's been a while. It has. Before we kick off, we would like to acknowledge the traditional custodians of this land and sea where this podcast is being recorded on, the land of the Gubby Gubby people of the Sunshine Coast. We pay respect to their elders past, present, and those emerging. We can't believe the last episode we dropped was three months ago, back in September when we spoke to Cecilia. It's been a super busy time, and while we were stoked to hit fortnightly releases for our first year, life is busy and podcasting takes time. So yeah, we have dropped off of late. I've had a bunch going on, including a trip back to Scotland and various other little adventure missions on bike and foot, plus life in general. And KV has started a whole new business, which is absolutely thriving. Amidst this, we just haven't kept up the frequency, but we are still here. To give you a little preview of the next few episodes, you will be hearing more about today's episode very shortly. And then to bring in the new year, you can look forward to hearing some familiar voices again as we check in with some of our previous guests heading into 2023. And we also have a great episode to bring you where we catch up with Gemma, episode 31, and circle back to her experience at CCC and some huge lessons learned there. We're also conscious we've gone down a bit of a running rabbit hole. And while this is super close to our hearts, the aim of the podcast is to elevate the voice of the everyday adventurer in all types of adventure. And we will be bringing back that diversity very shortly. Just as a quick reminder, we have a Patreon account and we would love to thank our latest patrons. Sorry for the delay on this. Megan B and Stephen N. Patreon is an amazing platform, which allows us to continue to cover the cost for the podcast, such as monthly hosting, website, and equipment upgrades. Thank you, patrons, because today you will definitely be getting a little bit of barren moose. So it's all because of the great sound quality that we can now afford. (laughs) Every little contribution makes a huge difference to us. For just a gold coin donation each month, we would be so stoked to have you on as a patron. It's pretty easy to find and sign up online at patreon.com forward slash into the wee hours podcast. Huge shout out to our existing patrons and just all of our listeners. We say it every episode, but we genuinely mean it. We love you so much. We really do. And we also recognize that support for the show comes in a huge variety of forms. Another way that we love to receive your support, which raises the profile of the podcast and in turn elevates the voice of our guests, is through ratings and reviews. If you can take a couple of seconds to hit the five-star rating, preferably, on Apple or Spotify, we would be so grateful. Also, we love seeing our listeners either reach out to or tagging our guests in their Instagram stories. So if you've particularly loved an episode, please do repost, tag, and let us know why you loved listening. Thank you to everyone who has either left a rating or review or tagged us on socials. Okay, so today we're diving deep with Arcana Murray Bartlett. This isn't Arcana's first podcast, as she's been generating some great coverage while running a marathon a day for over 150 days, running from the top of Australia in Cape York to the tip in Melbourne. None of that was mispronounced. That's <laughs> the US pronunciation of Melbourne, <laughs> says me from Scotland. Meaning it's an incredible feat, Sarah. <laughs> Along the way, Arcana has already broken a Guinness World Record while also fundraising for the Wilderness Society as she goes. And we feel super fr- privileged that she took time out of her incredibly busy schedule running and recovering to check in with us on day 120 of her tip to toe journey. Yeah, thank you again, Arcana, for sharing your time with us while accomplishing this absolutely enormous mission. Let's get into it. Cue the music with Kristen. Did 
welcome to episode 33 of the Into the Wee Hours podcast. My name is Sarah Pendergrass and I am joined by my radiant co-host, Kristen Vorton. Oh, wow. <laughs> Thank you. Hello. <laughs> One day I will pre-think about that, but anyway, not today. We are also joined today via Zoom by Arcana Murray Bartlett. I hope I got your name right there. it's like my biggest Uh, test of each podcast but there we go thank you so much for joining us we're so excited to talk to you today oh thanks for having me this is going to be fun yes just so if you haven't listened to the podcast before usually we just get a little bit of a warm-up really we're not going to have too much uh background on arcana before we start asking questions but just a really quick question um what did you do today (laughs) So today uh, I ran a marathon through Sydney. I finished at the at the Opera House, and yeah, it took a took a couple of snaps while I was down there. Walked through a Christmas market, and then came here. <laughs> just classic, you know, just because it's Saturday. <laughs> Love it. Yeah, I think as Kristen says, we will get into the details of what you're doing. This is not your first marathon today, um, but we'll just jump straight into the quick fire, I think. So first question, our classic question, the most important question we ask, pineapple and pizza, hell's yeah or hell's no? <laughs> hell's yeah, which is unusual because I'm Melbourneian, uh, but my partner is from Queensland. So in order to keep the relationship sound, it has to be a hell's yeah. <laughs> yeah, okay. Yeah, fair enough. I we'll love give, that. give them. Yeah. <laughs> Team Sarah, thank you. <laughs> so we've mentioned it's not your first marathon that you've run today nor is it even a handful of marathons that you run. How many kilometers on the journey that you are currently on have you run thus far? And how many pairs of running shoes have you gone through? So, okay, exact maths might be hard with a post-marathon brain, but I just passed, today I finished my 120th consecutive marathon. So I think it would be 5,000 and maybe 50 kilometers um, in a row. And I've gone through roughly six pairs of shoes, but I would say two of those are ready to be rotated, definitely, because yeah. I'm getting some sore feet today. So I think I'm up to pair number seven and eight from, say, tomorrow. And fingers crossed they'll get me to my finish line, which will be 150 marathons. Amazing. Yeah. Very impressive. <laughs> it's a lot. All right. Next question and again we'll go into this in more depth but you are raising funds for the wilderness society on this journey if you had to run the length of the country carrying an australian native animal which would it be <laughs> is any animal yep. uh, weight, right. weight is not like just assume they all weigh the same yeah. as well okay do you know what i was thinking i was like i mean you could probably run next to me <laughs> <laughs> <True>. <laughs> Um, a koala might hang on, right? Like in a piggyback style of, it might be logistically easier to carry. That's a pretty good one, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Or a snake would wrap around like a, now I'm just getting really creative with how I would carry them. (laughs) I love that you're in that like practical mindset here. (laughs) Just my favorite animal, like what would be the easiest to carry? (laughs) I I think I would go with a koala actually, yeah, to like wrap around, yeah. Yeah, like a little backpack, yeah, a little exactly. fluffy, a little fluffy backpack. Yeah, yeah. Hmm. That's probably my answer then. Love it. <laughs> Perfect. Now you have a lot of time. You have run, I think I did the maths, so 120 kilometers, or sorry, 120 days times 42.2 kilometers. You've run 5,064 kilometers on a non-marathon brain and an iPhone <laughs> calculator. 
you've listened to probably lots of podcasts, lots of music. So you show up in Sydney and it's karaoke night. What's your go-to karaoke song? Oh, it has to be the last song that was on my playlist is, uh, hang on, I'll bear with me. Waterfalls, TLC. Oh, it's a classic. (laughs) (laughs) Can we get a little like demo? Yeah. Ah, uh, no. <laughs> Don't go chasing <laughs> waterfalls. <laughs> nice. Yeah, I like I, that. I'll be. I'll do the um the harmonies next to you. <laughs> oh, I like that. Yeah. So what I usually do is start with the podcast, try and learn something, and then as I get towards that bit where it gets a bit painful and all too much, I'll chuck on some like, like naughties R and B, like really dance that last ten k's in. So that's probably why it's last. Yeah, it's, yeah. Nice. <laughs> That's a great finish. I love, love it. it. And running in, I'm just like getting the picture now. You're running into Sydney Opera with <laughs> waterfalls. That's amazing. <laughs> so just picture like the scenery opens up. You see the bridge in the background and then you're like, yeah. Yes. And that's it. Yeah. The other one that keeps coming on, which makes me laugh every single time, is Pony. Like every single time. <laughs> Pony and Britney Spears' Toxic Remix is pretty good. Yeah. yeah. Anyways. <laughs> We've gone off a tangent here. But no. uh, Some great visuals like there. I yeah. love it. All right. Next one is you are running along an open stretch of road and you come across a genie. The genie Ooh. grants you three wishes. Kristen, can you give me the rules? Oh, it's been a while. <laughs> you can't make someone fall in love with you. You can't make someone come back from the dead, and yeah. you can't wish for more wishes. Those right, because wishing for more wishes is the smart thing to do. Yeah, of course. Okay, so you get three, you get three wishes. wishes. Yeah. Oh, it's a really good one. Because, you know, in the moment, I'd probably wish to put my feet up to eat food and to water, but they're really old. Like, they're really simple wishes. You want bigger than that, right? You're like, I should be wishing for world peace, but I just want to gain it. People always actually try and justify their answers. If in that moment, all you want is to rest and put your feet up and eat and drink, I feel like that's a pretty valid wish. <laughs> go back in time and change the distance of a marathon from 42 kilometers to 32 kilometers. That's what I would do. That's one of the wishes. Uh, yeah, <laughs> good one. I like that. <laughs> um, and yeah, I guess I would wish for the the cause that I'm running for to be, I guess, asked about as much as in kind of in the news, because I'm in a lot of news at the moment, but it's, you know, you get all these questions about the run and you're running for a reason and then they'll sort of bypass that. Um, so I probably want the cause that I'm out here running for to get a lot of light and a lot of attention. So that'd be my second one. And then um, for, so I'm dairy free. Um, so for the selection of vegan ice creams to be the same as non-vegan ice creams would be my third wish. Nice. <laughs> Those are awesome wishes. Those are pretty classic. Yeah. Perfect. I like that a lot. <laughs> and the last question is, um, uh, it was very much in the very beginning of the podcast. You said that you've listened to a couple episodes. We had Luke Pryor on, who's a sports psychologist. We talked a lot about gratitude and it's kind of internal, um, but sometimes we miss out on that external factor as well. So Arcana on today. Give yourself a compliment. Give myself a compliment. 
My compliment goes to my knees um, for just being absolute superstars carrying me this far. Um, I think the fact that I've gone 120 days without an injury just means that my body, no matter, you know, it's so functional and it just can do these incredible things. I'm so proud of it. Um, yeah, and I think everybody's body can do their, you know, whatever they want it to do. Just got to be proud of it and, yeah, just just give it respect and, and yeah. So I think my, my compliment to myself is to my body <laughs> for getting me through. I, that's awesome. And also, I initially thought you were complimenting your niece, like a niece and nephew. <laughs> and was like, hold on. And then I was like, oh, no, point. your joints. Yes. <laughs> I can see now that now I can hear that, though. <laughs> my knees, my hips, my ankles, you know, my entire Yeah. <laughs> awesome. Well, you made it through the quick fire questions. Very good. Always a round of applause. That was actually pretty pretty quick. That was. For us. Yeah. 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 Pretty good. Uh, we're getting a little bit in the background as well. <laughs> so, uh, again, if you haven't listened to the podcast and this is your very first one, generally we like to open up the floor to our guests to give a bit of a run through for yourself. So, Arkana, first, we've got a couple things we'd like to dive into. So, first, maybe give a background on yourself, an origin story of who you are how you got to be where you are, and then we'll get into an origin story of what you are actually doing. Yeah, fantastic. Well, I grew up in the Yarra Valley in Victoria, so out in the bush, um, and I was never a runner. I, I always loved running, but I was a soccer player for pretty much my entire teenage years. Um, and then when I finished high school, I got a scholarship to play in the US. So I was over in Iowa playing soccer. Iowa. Um, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Another story we could go into there. <laughs> But it was really interesting because, you know, I was quite a, um, yeah, quite a, I'd say, like, conservative kid, well, a geeky kid. I was very focused on my studies and sport and I was very, like, focused on the tasks. So I wasn't, like, a party kid. I wasn't, like, very cool in school per se. And then I went over to America and where the college that I was in was very, I guess, very conservative. So I was, like, a bit of a wild child going over there coming from Australia and, you know. Um, so that was a real eye-opener because all the kids were like, oh, you've tried alcohol? Like very <laughs> – I, I was able to drink in Australia. So um, it was very cool. I, I was like – yeah, and I was the only Australian that a lot of them had ever met. So um, I, I made some incredible lifelong friends. So, yeah, loved college. Um, in the end, had to come back and relocate to London, to a, to a college in London in Reading. So then I also did uh, a year of soccer in Reading in the UK. So, yeah, my entire – kind of sporting I guess like childhood is what was all soccer um and then I guess when I turned to 23 as you do you you, you well I got a little bit over it I, you know just I'd been playing for 10 years and I needed a little bit of a break and I also at the same time was moving into the city into Melbourne I didn't know anybody and so I was across the road from athletics track and I really wanted to meet people and I thought, oh, I'll give it a go. I always love running. You know, I like the, the, the running drills, soccer training. Went over there and just at the, the first ever training session just absolutely fell in love and that was when I was 23, so nine years ago now and just, yeah, I loved how, I guess, community-based running can be and how many, you know, people you can meet through it. It's very supportive it's not the individual sport that I was worried it would be. It's very, it's very supportive. Um, yeah, and I guess kind of fell in love with running there and then started competing and then got like roped into 5Ks, 10Ks, half marathon, and then years later eventually the marathon and kind of grew and grew and grew. Um, so that's kind of 
where my history of sport comes from. Um, while I was kind of stu- well playing all this sport, I was studying to be a nutritionist. So I am a, I'm a nutritionist. I studied a few things. I took a scenic route through university, though. I was, what did I start with? Arts, politics. And I was like, oh, that's not for me. And then biology and then physiology and then finally settled on nutrition as a master's. So definitely took the scenic route with that. <laughs> I like that. That's a great description. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> the scenic route to being a nutritionist. Yep. Yes. <laughs> and so have you been a practicing nutritionist for a while now? Yeah. So I did out of, out of uni. I was. Um, but then I randomly fell into a job where I was actually running a business that was importing and exporting food, like organic natural foods. Um, it was called the Natural Foods Training Company. Um, and so that kind of took up my last two years before starting tip to toe, very different to practicing nutrition. You learn so much about food and you learn so much about the supply chains and, and where food, the origins of food, but less so on its, I guess, implications in the body. Um, but being a nutritionist is the most, I think is my biggest asset out here um, because I've just been able to recover so well without the actual physical recovery that I should be doing, like stretching massage you know I'm not doing any of that I'm relying solely on food and sleep so I'm very lucky I have that knowledge (laughs) yeah so you mentioned while you're out here do you want to tell us what does that mean what are you doing yeah so um yeah I guess off the back of that my I I started racing a lot of marathons and I was um training to to I guess compete at the highest level so I was running um I had in 2019 I was the fittest I'd ever been and I flew to Berlin to try and do, um, you know, the fastest time I possibly could. Was on track. I was doing so well. Um, I got an injury in my in my hip, so I had to pull out at thirty seven k's, which sucks because yeah. you fly all this way, and that's a whole story. I trained for ages for it, and then I rallied and flew to Tokyo the next March. So this was just, yeah, it would have been September. So then the next season in March, I flew to Tokyo, but the race got called off right as uh, right as I landed in Tokyo for COVID. Yes. So I'd had two very big failed attempts. And then two years of sitting in a room and I had all this fitness and motivation and love for native animals and national parks. And I thought, all right, let's do something that takes me back to my roots, takes me back to um, what I loved doing when I was a child running through the Yarra Valley. And, you know, I had this kind of lifelong goal to, to run the length of the country. And I thought, all right, well, I can't travel. I can't race. I'm very fit what do I do? And so I thought, you know what, I'll do it. I'll run from Cape York to Melbourne and I'll do it for this cause that I've always been passionate about. So that's where I am right now. I started August 20th. I left Cape York, the very tip where the sign is. um, And I've been running 42.2 kilometers per day south since that day. And I'm 120 days in, in Sydney right now. Incredible. Yeah. Yeah. So just for reference, we are going to release this very shortly, but it's December 17th right now that we're recording. Yeah. There are just so many things that we want to chat about. I do also just to nip back into that discussion, because you mentioned running in world majors for our runners, what sort of marathon time are you looking at when you're running, a ma- yes. when you're racing a marathon? Yeah. So around that 240 mark. Yeah. Um, yeah. Which is slower or even like faster if I could um I believe I could have I just didn't get the chance because the, the race didn't happen so I probably will try and do that again after this but today I ran a four and a half hour marathon so it's very different 
different. <laughs> yes, which is still a very respectable time. And also, you've just mentioned how many marathons you've done before this. Like, I'd be pretty stoked with a four and a half hour marathon. <laughs> the entire, I was looking at this today, because you know how Strava recently released the year in sport. And um, I ran the same amount of elevation from Cape York to, where was I, Katoomba, which which would have been over a hundred days. And then in, in the last five days, I've done like 5,000 meters elevation just because Sydney and Katoomba are so hilly. Yeah, wow. So it slowed me right down. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> On maybe like some fatigue delays. <laughs> <laughs> so um, we did kind of touch on it as well. Um, now you're running for a couple of reasons. One, we have already accomplished. Congratulations for now holding the Guinness World Record for most consecutive days run a marathon. And is that yeah. like, is that split up into male and female or is that just yeah, full stop? Yeah. yeah. So surprisingly though, this is a fun story. So the, the women's was, has been broken maybe three times in the last three years. So it was 95, correct me if you might, I can't, 95 and it was an American amputee and she did it for um, her own beautiful cause. Um, and yeah, so she's incredible. And then it was beaten again Um by these two competing parties in in the UK, so it was a it was two girls or two ladies and another lady, and they both tried to get to a hundred, but they realised each of them were going for the world record, so they went off social media and both kept going secretly to like not so the other one didn't know where they would be, and both stopped at one hundred and six. No, <laughs> I didn't know that that was the backstory. I either and funnily enough those two ladies are the friends of a friend of mine so there we go <laughs> have it yeah so no but they're they're friends right there's yeah. another one as well yeah. so they yeah. both got to oh, 106 yeah. Yeah. and but then eventually because i was so confused for weeks i was like why did one of them not run one extra mile? it just blew my mind i couldn't work it out um and then eventually the girl the lady that ran her solo she because she was also running on a treadmill got it separated into a different category so now um yeah so now it was sitting at 106 um all outdoors so it had to be an outdoor marathon um so yeah i broke that on december 4th this year so that was that was so special it was such a good feeling that's incredible and so good and so you hit that record the next day when you got up, how did that feel? Like, because that's got to be a huge motivation chase. I mean, I realize you have other objectives here and as Kirsten says, we'll touch on that. But just jumping in there, like, how does that feel when you're like, I've hit that record. Okay, got to keep going. Now I have whatever, 40, 43 more marathons. Is that? Yeah, it yeah. would have been around 40. Yeah, 43. You, you, Sarah, great question because it was the hardest part of this whole challenge. It was and surprisingly, I had a few close friends reach out and in the right time for that because I didn't expect to feel any different. I was like, okay, cool, let's keep going. But I was so emotionally exhausted the next day and so physically exhausted that those next two were the hardest two marathons that I'd done. And, and, I, and I remembered that I had to refocus on the why so much more because the personal challenge was gone and I just had to, it was a really interesting internal conversation being like, oh, are you out here for personal goals or are you out here for why? And, yeah, yeah. And, and once I remembered, the, I guess, the greater cause and, and, and everything, it, it definitely picked me back up again. Um, and then another friend messaged me and said, hey, I kind of do you realise that every single day now you're waking up to break 
the Guinness World Record. You know, reframe it that way. Every day you're setting a new world record. So it's like, oh, that's pretty cool. (laughs) (laughs) That's a beautiful reframe. That's really cool. Imagine if you discovered someone else was on the same day doing the same thing. Like they're just off social media. all the time like going in India right now or, you know Turkey doing this and I just don't know so that's why I'm it's my motivation to keep going and to keep going um but yeah I don't know if I just said it where I said it and that's that's what I can do because I'm sharing mine on socials so if there's someone doing it secretly on the download <laughs> that's funny yeah that's actually a really good point <laughs> that's awesome and thank you for sharing that as well because like if you look at our kind of socials, honestly, you are so upbeat. I look at them thinking, how are you so cheery? Like it really, you come across with such positivity and such grace, which is so beautiful. And it is really nice to hear that you're also a human. <laughs> <laughs> because a marathon's a really long way to it go. It is a really long way to run. Yeah, yeah it is. Yeah. It's so far. Like one of my wishes would be to shorten it for sure. And the hardest two, the hardest two kilometers are 40 to or 39 to 42, the hardest three, because you're like, oh, there's three kilometers to go. And then your brain realizes how far three Ks is. And you're like, oh, and then you're already. So it's funny, 90% of them drag now and, and 10% feel really good. But at the start, it was the other way around. You'd have a really bad one and then like six good ones. But now it's like, nah, there's about five bad ones. Yeah. Yeah, I bet. And is that like is that a cumulative fatigue thing? Is that what I was gonna ask? Is it more mental or yeah, what is what's playing? Both. I think it's because Christmas is coming and so Mm -hmm. everybody is is doing their own celebrations and I feel like, oh, I'm still out here going and everyone's kind of preoccupied with Christmas now which they should be I I mean I love Christmas it's my favorite time of the year um I also think it's cumulative fatigue um I think that yeah that's probably the big one and then everything that has been sore is now extra sore and you know it just kind of goes on and goes on but I'm also motivated because I've only got 30 or you know it'll be under 30 days by the time you know this is aired to go that I know I can do it now Mm -hmm. so it's kind of just like oh you just have to grit your teeth and get to the finish line and refocusing on everything that you love about being out here and I just keep trying to yeah circle back internally to all of the positives out here and to be honest I am a super positive person anyway so that's that's the image of myself that I want to portray because yeah I'm trying to be as transparent and as authentic as possible um but I do try and share it if I am having like a shocker or if something goes wrong and because things are going to go wrong all the time totally of course and you did post a funny reel about exactly that (laughs) (laughs) do you want do you want to tell us about that so so many little things have gone wrong like not just with me but with the logistics of the car and you know the film equipment and the drone but we're filming this for um potentially a film after this and it's so funny you want this epic cliffhanger, right? Like, oh, she's broken her ankle. Will she make it? Won't she make it? But, like, nothing of that severity has gone wrong. It's just been quite almost smooth sailing, you know, because I've respected the distance. I'm recovering as best I can. I'm eating right. Like, there's no massive cliffhangers yet. And, like, personally, I don't really want one, but it does make the final result, I guess, less steven spielberg kind of thing so but she wakes up and she runs into the marathon <laughs> so, like, all right, she did another one <laughs> and there's only so much content you can get out of her for her marathon oh, but this is just testament to what must have been a huge planning process because 
this is enormous. You know, like you say, it's not just your body running, just running a marathon every I know. day. There's only less than 30 marathons. Only, only 30 to go. <laughs> You're managing, like you have a vehicle, you've been in really remote places, and maybe you want to talk a bit about who's with you on the journey as well. But the fact that you don't have these huge things going wrong has to be testament to your planning and to the preparation that you've put into this because things could very easily really be going wrong. <laughs> yeah. Oh, we said that at the start. We said there's no point planning for things to go wrong because then the, you know, if you plan for 99 things, 100 things will go wrong. And, yeah, I mean, we've had areas that haven't had phone reception for a really long time and definitely things went wrong there. Um, with my body, I, I'm probably the most confident with my body, strangely. I feel like I've come from, you know, a nine-year stint of running competitive marathons. So in preparation for this, I actually stopped running so much and focused on I actually tried to put on a couple of kilos of weight just so I was a bit more resilient um I focused on being more healthy at the start line and strong I went to the gym so much more than I was running because that's what I felt like I needed to do I didn't need to be race ready at the start line and almost at my limit I needed to just be healthy and resilient um so where things have gone wrong is the car um has broken down numerous times um <laughs> and um yeah sometimes we occasionally fire drones in places drones don't want to go um but yeah other than that it's been relatively okay so preparation has been key here I think yeah and you're on the road with your partner is that right yeah so my partner is a filmmaker um and he's a content creator so we work together for all the social stuff that gets put together um and everything else all the storytelling i guess um yeah so he'll come out on the bike and keep me company every so often he helps with the camping uh, like logistics and setting up because we have a we have an off-road camper that we live in so setting that up and packing that down every day is is a bit of work like a heap of work um and at the very top, I had my mum and dad, who my dad's a mechanic and just wanted to make sure the car made it out alive. <laughs> <laughs> there are some sketchy sections in there as well. Yeah. How is, well, we'll still get into the Wilderness Society, I promise. <laughs> how, um, how is your partner coping with everything? Because <laughs> like you said, it is a lot of work. It, like the amount of content that you guys are coming out with is impressive and it's beautifully crafted it is as well. amazing yeah. <laughs> yeah it's the pack up and setup of the uh, camper van like you said it's the cooking and cleaning for literally like michael phelps essentially on his hands <laughs> <Absolutely>. <laughs> in terms of calories that you do you probably need every day um so how yeah. is how is he going how is his mindset <laughs> he's, he's surprisingly like even more positive than me um and a bit more energetic than i am just as a human so his baseline is so high that it definitely is the right energy to have out here um yeah no surprisingly i think the biggest reservation we had at the start was what would he do because he was like oh, i'm gonna have all you know you're out running half of the day and then in the other half of the day you'll be sleeping so i'm just gonna have this whole whole day but it has not been like that at all it's been so busy and so full-on and there's so many kind of opportunities that get thrown our way and like we have you know a backlog of videos that we would love to make so he's actually so busy that it's fun and like in any any downtime we have is seeing this place we're in or the city we're in or like you know just actually recovering so it feels like it's a really good balance and, I, and I'm fairly sure he's having a really good time he hasn't told me otherwise so <laughs> Well, that's good. 
Nice. And then, sorry, go ahead. I was just going to say, he's genuinely, he's a kind of soul who's genuinely happy for, for, I guess, the achievements. So, yeah, just watching it be such a successful, I guess, adventure has been really great. So, yeah. That's good. (laughs) For everybody who can't see, Sarah's actually just untangling moose (laughs) from all of our wires. (laughs) So that's never happened before. That was a podcast first. We nearly had a laptop and a roadcaster fly across the room. <laughs> Shh. Did he grab He's, uh, it's all right. Whoa, we're back on. <laughs> <laughs> I thought Kristen was going to be going with it as well. <laughs> yeah, right. Where were we? <laughs> I think you saved the day there. We're all good here. We're all good. Yeah, we're all good. Well so, done. So I would like to kind of go into like the why of why you have started doing it. So we talked about the world record. So tick that box and every day ticking the box again and again and again. What, explain a bit about the Wilderness Society, about what you're running for and give a bit of a background and why you chose that as well. Yeah, yes. Yeah, so the Wilderness Society essentially um, help ensure that our nature laws are protected. They're, they're a campaign um, non-for-profit or charity that works specifically on protecting um, national parks and, and, and national and native animals, particularly at-risk animals. So, yeah, Australian animals have always just been super close to my heart. It's hard to explain why. I get asked that a lot and I can't really pinpoint it. It's just something that I've always cared about. If you asked me when I was five years old what I'd be passionate about, I would have said the environment and, you know, I was the one that was running around and turning off everyone's taps when they were brushing their teeth and saving water and, you know, pulling bugs out of pools and it was just who I was. Um, so it's always just been a cause close to my heart and I think the Wilderness Society is a really good partnership because they've got a program that we're working on. It's called the Local Extinctions Program and essentially as I come down south, we're, we're kind of focusing in on the localised endangered animals in that space, which is often the, one of the main ways that we can do things about it is just working in specific localities and then at the same time also working at a, at a, at a national, federal protection level. Um, so, yeah, essentially I'm, I'm, my specific focus is at-risk animals with the Wilderness Society do so much more than that. Um, so my goal out here is to raise $10 per kilometre I run for the Wilderness Society. I'm almost there. I just cracked 55000 Wow. Um, I think the goal will be sixty-two. So fingers crossed I blow it out of the park. Nice. Amazing. Congrats. That's a huge amount of money. Yeah. It's going gonna, it's gonna to help, I think. Yeah. Um, and it's not so much about raising money. It's about, um, you know, just raising awareness about the fact that Australia is now a world leader in biodiversity loss and we have almost five. 500 native animals on the endangered list, which is so high, um, so, so high. And we're doing little bits nationally, particularly now with Labor and government, but definitely not enough um, to see it, I guess, reversed or even maintaining. Like in, in the 200 years since um, European settlement, our extinction rate hasn't declined. It's just stayed the exact same, which, you know, it's not great. <laughs> yeah, yeah, wow. Were you saying something that, uh, like in local communities, there's actually different endangered species in different sections. Is, is that what I was kind of picking up? Yeah. So, for example, in diff- there's, there's, an animal might not be endangered on a, on a federal level, on a national level, but it's endangered in specific areas for specific reasons. Like uh, in areas of southern Queensland, like in Toowoomba, the koala is like extremely endangered because of logging in that space. So even though although now the koala is endangered, um, but, you know, there can be animals like the gang gang cockatoo 
two through New South Wales that are very, I guess, critically engaged in certain areas. So in those specific instances, they're working, I guess, on a council level or I guess a more like localised uh, level to, I guess, reverse that. And that could be simply protecting more parklands. It could be finding more native trees that this specific species needs for shelter and food. Um, yeah, bits and pieces like that. And so for people living in, so say like I live on the Sunshine Coast, if I want to find out more about that in my area, is there like a resource or somewhere that people can go and visit to find out what the status is? Yeah, yeah, that's a good point. Um, the Wilderness Society have been giving me all that information. I'm actually unsure if there's a bigger database. Um, that's a really good question. I'm not 100% sure because mm. I've been getting it all through the Wilderness Society. But let me ask them and get back to you. Sounds <laughs> good. <laughs> yeah. I think there should be. I think that's a very good point. Yeah. And so in the communities that you're in, have you been like working with the people who are there as well? Yeah, definitely. So um, I've been working with like the the either the Wilderness Society um, subsidiary little sister companies everywhere, well, not companies, but like groups within the Wilderness Society everywhere. Um, I've been speaking a lot to schools. I've done a lot of school visits talking about um, their specific region, um, but also just a lot of goal setting, et cetera, et cetera. Athletics groups um, and bits and pieces like that. So yeah, that's um, how I've spent most of my afternoons. I've also been really happy or lucky to be going to a lot of grassroots programs that are like caring for native animals as well. So I went to the, the Byron Bay Wilderness Hospital. I went to one in Toowoomba, uh, yeah, Toowoomba and in Townsville um, and just seeing what they're doing. And it's astounding how much time they dedicate to these animals. Like I met a lady called Trish who hadn't slept for more than two hours a night because she constantly has to feed a different species of animal uh, throughout the night, like about in the middle of the night, the kangaroo in the day. I'm like, Whoa, that's dedication. Shout out to Trish. Yeah. What a local <laughs> legend. <laughs> I'm guessing a lot of these are volunteers as well that are doing this work too. They're all volunteers. And I learned so much. I mean, for example, when you look after koalas, you need to change the leaves that they eat every two days. So we spent an afternoon planting like we call it koala fodder which is essentially just gum trees that grow up just so you can feed the at care koalas with it's like oh i never thought of that you yeah. can't just you know, because koalas need a different species of eucalypt leaf depending on where they're from so you have to give them a specific so their gut biome is all primed for when you let them go again you're going to be like a koala nutritionist as well <laughs> <laughs> No, sorry, I really deal with koalas. <laughs> <laughs> the occasional wombat, but primarily yeah. koalas. <laughs> oh, that's the kidnap, no. <laughs> yeah, I love that. And I like really just thinking practically about this. You're running a marathon that's every day, and this is essentially a whole PR campaign. All of this like social interaction that's going on when you're visiting these places, you're talking to schools, that's a lot of energy and I don't know where you like if you've done Myers-Briggs or where you class yourself in terms of introvert and extrovert but like how does how does that feel do you ever just finish a marathon and you're like oh my gosh I know this is a great course but I really just want to sleep all, all the time yeah, yeah. <laughs> I have that battle every day every single day and that's so another much. role my partner plays is, is just dealing with my constant need to cry or um just have a moment and um it's usually when I'm really tired and I have a moment to myself and I'm overwhelmed about the next thing it's like all you really want to do is sleep but you're so up because you've been so wide all day you're like oh so um yeah no definitely it's been a really 
interesting battle and I'm actually surprised at the amount I have been able to fit in. Um, yeah, uh, and, I, and I guess I'm driven by the fact that I only have 150 days to – 150 days to, I guess, have this platform to speak from. And if I don't do it now, it'll all get lost and forgotten. So I'm just trying to maximise my time to share the story, if that makes sense. Yeah, that's a beautiful mindset and a very strong one. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And a great way of using your social media platform to elevate, like, such a a cool thing as well. Well, yeah, that's the goal. So we'll see. see. But definitely doesn't mean I don't have moments where I just want to close, uh, close off the world and hide under the cover and just watch repeats of Grey's Anatomy for 17 hours straight. Like, Ooh, there you go. <laughs> Is that, that going to be the go-to? Like when it, when it's all finished and said and done, I guess like, you know, after you, after you come off of a race, anybody who has raced probably resonates with like, you know, post-race blues, like, oh, I travel, you know, even like your Mer- yeah. Berlin Marathon that you didn't even finish, for example, you probably had a lot of blues after that. So when you do finish, you're like, great, I trained for all of that stuff and then it went the way I wanted or it didn't go the way I want. No matter what the finish line is, if you do get a finish line, there's always a slump afterwards. So you're on quite a high for 150 days. Mm-hmm. How are you kind of mentally prepping for when this is all over? It's probably Or are some, you even? Or are you yeah. prepping? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> It's a great thought process and a lot of people have asked me that, like, are you excited to finish or do you want it to go on forever? And I'm 50-50, my body wants it to finish and I definitely need to finish because it's it's pushing me absolutely to my limits. But, yeah, emotionally I'm not sure. I'm, I'm loving I'm loving the lifestyle, living on the road, campaigning and uh, or just, you know, exploring. I mean, there's a whole concept of tip to toe that's just seeing a new place every day and, and running through a new national park or a new trail. I mean, that bit I'm going to miss terribly. I'm going to miss meeting new people. I'm, you know, there's so much of it. Um, and in terms of unwinding, I'm not sure. I, I, I do struggle to put the brakes on too much. I think I'll definitely need like a physical break. Um, but the thing I'm actually missing the most that I'm excited to get back into is the gym. You know, I've got, I've lost so much core strength and upper body strength um, from just the same repetitive movement for, you know, five and a half months that I want to, I'm literally getting tired lifting up like cutlery to, to to cut vegetables. If I'm cutting a carrot for too long, my arm gets tired. Yeah, wow. It's not good. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, it's like, probably tired for like a few reasons. I kind of. Your arms and running. I'm like, they get sore from holding my butt, like from holding them in the same position. It's, it's really strange. It is a lot of just the same repetitive motion. Yeah. Your body would be very good at cruising, but not really good at doing very much else. Yeah, yeah, okay. yeah. Like yeah. I can only do this now. You yeah. know, that's my one. You know, and before this, I was going to the gym all the time. I was swimming. So yeah, looking forward to being versatile again. Just <laughs> <laughs> it's incredible. So you're obviously learning about your body, um, about what this day to day to day to day marathon is doing to it. We obviously, Kristen just touched on there in terms of like how you reckon emotionally it's going to be when you finish. Who knows? You've already learned when you finished the world record, you didn't anticipate necessarily it being so hard the next day. Do you really feel like you're getting to know yourself with all of this time that you have on your own? Like, what are the biggest lessons you're learning about yourself through this process? Yeah, I do have a lot of time. And sometimes I like to run without headphones just to be in it, just to be stuck with your thoughts. I think that's really important. Um, Yeah, I met someone out here. His name's Courtney. He's um, runs the same half marathon loop, 10Ks to a pole and back every single day. It's boring, like 
boring as and he deliberately does that just so he's stuck in the same repetitive motion so he thinks and I've since meeting him we've definitely done that a lot more um I'm learning I'm learning that the ceiling I thought I had with my physical limits isn't there like I can push it further I'm learning that I'm definitely stronger and more resilient than I originally thought I'm learning how many calories I can eat in a day without throwing up and how many is that like heaps (laughs) (laughs) I ate 10,000 and I was fine. Wow. Um, Good for it. Yeah. You are it Michael was, Phelps. Yeah. <laughs> One day. He does that every, every day. But um, no, usually I mean around 6,000, 7,000 calories. I'm learning. Um, One big thing I'm learning actually is to rely. I've always been not very good at asking for help. I've just kind of gone out and done things on my own. And it's impossible to do this on your own, I think, the way we're doing it anyway, the way, the way I'm you know, trying to share the message. So leaning on my partner is something that is new to me so much, you know, like for everything Um, and leaning on people around me, asking people for donations, like that that kind of stuff is coming outside my comfort zone a little bit, um, which has been really interesting, I think. And learning to set boundaries. There's unfortunately been times where I've kind of almost been inundated with people wanting to run with me or asking for their own cause to be shared through this. And it's all great and it's stuff that I want to say yes to, but Unfortunately, I don't have that much time or energy in a day. And so learning to say no has also been a big lesson. Probably the biggest, actually. Those are huge. Like learning to receive and ask for help, learning to set boundaries. Like those are huge lessons. That's pretty cool. And it does sound like, I mean, I feel like this situation with your partner could go either way. Like it could cause absolute relationship meltdown because of the pressure (laughs) that you're both under but it sounds like it's actually been a real strengthening exercise for you as well if I can ask that yeah definitely and we've we've only been together under two years and I met him when I'm from Melbourne was living in in Gold Coast to escape that kind of COVID shit show that Melbourne was um and when I had to go back to Melbourne for work he came with me and then Melbourne went back into a lockdown. So we were three months or four months into a relationship and then straight into a lockdown in a small apartment in Brunswick. So we kind of had like make it or break it so early on that this seems easy. Like you were training you know, for this. <laughs> we were training. training for a high pressure, super kind of. Yeah, so it's kind of all worked out well. Um, But, yeah, no, we're definitely stronger, I think, from this. I mean, we know each other's – well, I think for him specifically, he's like, make sure she's always fed, make sure she sleeps. Like, there's, like, the key things. (laughs) It's a small but very significant job (laughs) and not actually that small. I should say it's simple, but, yeah, not an easy job. (laughs) Yeah, feed and sleep, yeah, is the biggest two things, I'm sure. Yeah. <laughs> so everyone else has got their own recovery, but that's mine. <laughs> yeah. Actually, you did mention um, that you're not really doing much of like the massage and the foam rolling and all that stuff. Really, we're just relying more on on eating and sleeping and things. Um, how does your? I know that you said that your body feels great. Is there any like niggling injuries or anything like that that you are kind of battling with at the moment, or is everything knock on wood smooth sailing? Yeah, I definitely have had injuries. I had them all at the start when my body was still adjusting. Um, lately, no, no specific injuries. Um, more just sore feet, like the, my feet from being mostly because it's a lot of pavement. They're so sore and they're a size bigger now. They're quite swollen as well. Um, and just so that's the biggest thing I'm dealing with is just like always sore feet and actually just 
really low energy now, just every single morning waking up and finding a low energy. Um, but, yeah, luckily, touch wood, no strains or tears or anything along those lines because that would, that would probably derail it and I'd do everything I can to avoid that. Yeah, 100%. And I guess talking about your feet, to go on a bit of a geeky gear <laughs> tangent, but do you want to share any gear that's like really coming into its own or, yeah, what, yeah. Do, what are you running yeah. in? I'm running in Tarkine, so they're super aligned with what I'm doing at the moment. Tarkine is a, comp- a startup company from Western Australia, and they've only released two versions of their first shoe, and I'm wearing that. And it's awesome. Like, the second model is softer than the first, which is probably good later in my run, so it's been, like, a natural progression. But they donate proceeds from their shoe to, um, yeah, the, the, the forests in Tasmania, the Bob Brown Foundation, so it's super aligned. Um but really with gear, that's my biggest – and I'm just wearing – I'm wearing Amble Sports bras and shorts, and they're, they're made from recycled plastic too. So, um, yeah, very, I guess, environmentally friendly kit, and they've all been great. I've had no issues with gear at all, to be honest. It's been fantastic. It's like I'm just running. There's not a lot of gear you need. <laughs> True. Shoes, shorts, and a singlet. <laughs> How's your tan line? Stop that. Yeah? <laughs> shorts, singlet. All of it. Yeah, nice, nice. <laughs> <laughs> That's coming from someone. Think. Kristen has a serious short tan line going on from yeah. working outdoors oh, all the yeah. time. So, yeah. <laughs> do you have a sock tan line too? Do you have a sock? I do, but I don't wear like long socks or anything. So it just literally looks like it goes from ankle and then just what? right above my ankle bone, then it just goes white. <laughs> <laughs> and you as well, I assume. Yes. I think that's the way to do it is I wear the high socks so mm. I've got horrendous like mid-ankle tan yeah, whereas nice. I think I need to know what you're doing. Well, when um, I'm running, I would I would get that as well. Yeah, yeah, I like the little high angle. These are important things to consider. They are, they are. They're so, really yeah, you have been in pretty remote areas as well too. Um, talk a little bit about maybe some of the considerations with safety. Now, I know that you've got your partner there as well too, but there's not many women out there doing what you're doing. So just maybe touch on some of those considerations for safety and it doesn't have to fall into also being a woman just pretty mm. subjective of me to bring it up in the same conversation <laughs> <laughs> that's a good point because he's not running with me i am definitely running solo um unless i do have someone on the back um yeah i guess to be honest with you the remote parts of australia are more worried about wildlife than anything else um you know creek crossings are impossible because of the crocs um so i just didn't yeah so there was a whole kind of like two thousand k's of don't go the f near the water because and and so that was probably the, the scariest bit and cassowaries they're quite i mean they're they're very rare to see but they're quite dangerous um we got chased by a bull in the cave like a wild bull and we had to stop a car to to um shield us from this bull because it was going to charge us and it's like chaperoned us um so yeah wildlife is infinitely scary oh i got swooped by like literally seven thousand magpies <laughs> actually you're running in magpie season i've got heaps of like if you go back through the like channels like there's so many clips of me just hiding from magpies but this is great. We tried to get it on camera for the film. So we took, I was on the bike. We went out there. I was like, I know this magpie will swoop me because it swooped me on the way out and the way back. Um, and then we get out there. He sets up the camera. And he's like, run. So I ran ahead, like expecting it. And then it goes and gets him and like starts. <laughs> oh, it was the best moment. Of it. <laughs> That'll definitely be the, the film. <laughs> <laughs> 
it didn't really work with the what else I was trying to achieve out here, which is school visits, community visits, reception to share the message, all of that. Um, so when we hit Cooktown, we made a decision to head just south through still going inland and remote, but just kind of not following that specific trail and kind of zigzagging down. But because we'd already, you know, planned to break the world record and we'd already planned to do 150 marathons, we still kept that as our template and we're always heading south. But you're right, it's not a point to point. It's just kind of made up as people say, hey, come to the Blue Mountains because there's this amazing trail and, and hey, come to Woolamai um, because of this and, and, and more it's made up of that now. And that's okay for me because I'm showing off some of the, I guess, lesser known parts of Australia in a way and I get to communicate more with community and have that interaction, which I think for me is very important. Yeah, amazing. It also sounds like more work. Yeah, it probably is. <laughs> Just because there's not enough going on, you know. Spend <laughs> so much time organizing, like where I'll be the next day. But I just like I'm only ever working like two days ahead at the moment because otherwise I can't keep up. Like I tried to book. We're going to be in Bright for New Year's, and I tried to book accommodation today, which is so I thought super prepared for me. Like two weeks out, I usually rock up to the campsite in the afternoon, and it's like booked out to like every single place I was like oh I should have thought that through yeah Bright's a pretty spectacular spot to be if you can though that's for sure it's so nice (laughs) are you planning to run on Christmas day and New Year's day as well yeah so that's one thing I think will be quite hard for me is running on Christmas day because um yeah I'll be in Canberra on Christmas day Mm -hmm. but at least it's flat yeah super flat and probably (laughs) cold yeah (laughs) But it'll be quiet, surely, um, on Christmas. All the politicians have gone back to their respective uh, homes. So, mm-hmm. yeah, it'll be a weird Christmas. But I don't – I kind of – I'm relishing in the fact that that will be a challenge for me. I'm kind of like, all right, it makes it – it reinforces, again, the why, why I'm out here, another thing I'm missing, and just sort of gives meaning to the whole cause to me a little bit. And it'll be a Christmas I won't forget, you know, yeah. in the camper – doing a little camp cook up (laughs) absolutely and with that in mind you have run those 150 consecutive days but have you built in any rest days no no rest days yeah just the more when we're finished just rest for weeks (laughs) (laughs) so you have come from a pretty competitive marathon background which we kind of touched on as well and this is a friggin huge adventure like you have also touched on how you have been adventuring and doing your own things as well having a bit of reflection on um you know all of the competitive marathons that you've done versus the you know everyday marathons that you've done for the last 120 days (laughs) i guess how is your mindset around that you kind of mentioned oh I, i would like to after all of this go back to doing some of the competitive stuff what's your mindset around adventure versus racing yeah i wish i had almost like three lives to live and I could like do a career in competitive racing and then a career in adventuring I, I can never choose between the two I love them both so much um and I think I will I think I'll just alternate between the two and just assume they'll never you know I'll always be okay competing but never like the best because I'll always have this love for adventuring and that's been my whole problem like that's why I haven't probably reached the heights I'd like to reach in competitive racing I mean there was one year my coach almost killed me because I had done this altitude training camp um, in Victorian High Plains in preparation for this qualifying cross-country race. 
Yes, but then we got down from altitude and went on a two-week trip to Vietnam as a holiday, came back and absolutely bombed the race. He's like, what are you doing? So I'm just, I'm, I'm always like one foot's in the exploring pay, like exploring camp and one foot's in the competing camp. Um, so I think I'll just continuously do both at an okay level. <laughs> yeah, fair enough. Uh, and be an expert. <laughs> do ultras ever speak to your heart? Like, is there any ultras that you've got your eye on or anything? I did the guzzler. That's right. Uh, in preparation to three weeks or like a month or maybe before this just to see. I was like, oh, if I can do an ultra, surely a marathon will feel easy. And it was hands down the hardest thing I've ever done. Like it was so hard. Um, <laughs> Which distance did you do at the Guzzler? It was only 54K. Don't ever say only. Don't ever say only. The Guzzler is that's a tough it's course. It's a tough yeah. course. That's a lot of hills. <laughs> <laughs> it was I? Uh, I would almost choose to run back to the cave before I did that. <laughs> <laughs> That's a great piece of promotion for the guzzler there. <laughs> <laughs> but the community was great. <laughs> the race organizers did a massive job. I mean, personally, for me, I clearly like did not know what I was doing. The course is stunning, and like it was beautiful. And I, yeah, the, the race was amazing. But yeah, like I was underprepared for that, and I went out way too hard and just blew to pieces. <laughs> <laughs> well, you ran an ultra. <laughs> Do you have a preference of trail versus road? Typically, yeah, I'd probably choose trail. Um, but I love also running fast. So, um, yeah, I, I'm very much impartial to both. I come from road racing, but I just do trail running for fun. So I think trail running is better for your body. You get really strong, the strong stabilizing muscles. Balance is really good. It's good for your mindset. You slow down, you take it in. So I think it's, there's definitely a really beautiful place for both of them. And I think you can have a balance of the two, really, and then be a really – like you don't have to sit in both, like either camp. Um, you can definitely cross between them. I sense a theme here, Arcana. <laughs> also, I do want I do want to go back and just mention that when you said you'll just be okay at adventuring and racing, you raced at elite status and you are adventuring by running the length of Australia. So maybe, you know, your standards are... <laughs> <laughs> like you're doing okay. Yeah, you Don't are doing okay. okay. <laughs> this is my issue. I can never live up to my own expectations. I'm constantly just chasing myself. <laughs> Yeah, and that can be a tough place to be as well. So, yeah. I think it can. I think it can. I think my other issue is I have so many ideas. There's so many things I want to do that sometimes I don't start or finish one because I get distracted by the next one. I'm very, yeah, I, I definitely need to focus on just doing one thing at a time. Like even out here now, I'm like almost impatient to finish because I want to start, you know, doing whatever else is next. So, yeah, I think that it could be a strength and a flaw at the same time. <laughs> I think running teaches pretty great patience, though, right? Oh. Yeah. Like, it's good to go through all of that stuff as well, and, and it gives you some time to reflect and go, like, no, 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 like, make sure it's really something that you're doing and really put your heart and soul into this thing and finish it, yeah. Oh, and the same with ultras, right? Like, yeah. you're in it. You've made the decision to be there. Yes, you've got 42Ks or 50Ks to go, but see it out and kind of – deal with your, your decision making and or and you'll you'll learn so many lessons you'll prepare better next time you'll you know you'll you'll enter a different distance like you, you yeah it's a really good humbling exercise in ultra yeah definitely <laughs> <laughs> humbling is a great word for it <laughs> yeah yeah you can't really you know you can't go in confident like you've always got to come in humble <laughs> but that's what's nice about it like it's nice to show up probably at the start of this, you know, adventure thing going like, mm, I, don't, 
I don't know. I don't know what's gonna happen. I don't know if I'm gonna make it. <laughs> like, that every keeps day, it every day, I'm like, this, this could be my last day. I don't know. And every yeah. single day, I surprise myself, and that's where my compliment to my body comes in because it's like, you, you, I don't know. And it's the same as an ultra, and sometimes even a marathon. You're like, I feel like I prepared well, but I don't know what's gonna happen today. <laughs> Some days it's a five k. <laughs> Yeah, I was about to say, it doesn't need to be that long. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and in terms of when you're running these marathons each day, you don't have a set time or anything. You could, in theory, just take your time, take the whole day to do it. Is that right? You could, yeah, you, you could. One of the guidelines is you ca- it has to be continuous, so you, you can't do 10Ks in the morning, have breakfast, and then do 20Ks at lunch, and then an after. Because traditionally, I, like, I, when I planned this, I thought I would break it up and do 30Ks in the morning and then 12Ks almost like a double run, but no. So it has to be continuous. I don't think – I think that probably means you could walk it if you just continuously walked it. Mm. Um, but thankfully I haven't had to do that yet because yeah. that would take me, you know, I think that would take me 10, 12 hours to walk walk that far. And it just – that bites into your recovery time so much. That, yeah. Yeah, that's not sustainable well, either. Yeah. It's a long time on your feet to mm. yeah. walk it, I reckon. Yeah. yeah. Luckily I haven't had to. <laughs> it's it's incredible yeah Yeah, really so fantastic (laughs) to see um I'm conscious of time I'm conscious you've you know had a few things on today and you're in Sydney you're in Sydney and instead you're like sitting in your room just talking to us you could be out there or you could be sleeping (laughs) is there anything else we have a few questions we'll ask to finish but is there anything else you would like to add that we haven't touched on I guess the only thing is, I mean, I don't have very long left, just 30 days, but one of the parts of Tip to Toe is it's very community-based. So if you do want to come for a run, like I love the company. Um, I, I try and respond to every message on Instagram that says, hey, I live in Nara and I'd love to show you. Because that's kind of actually how I'm exploring is people are showing me around, um, which is so fun. So, yeah, if I am running in this last little leg from Sydney to Melbourne through any kind of area, come, and, come for a run and I'd, I'd love that. That's probably the only thing I'd like to add. Um, and yeah. Canberra, Canberra Christmas Day. Try and get it yeah. right there. <laughs> if you're in Canberra on Christmas and feel like running for five hours, please reach out. <laughs> People can join you for a short section though as well, right? You don't need them to run the whole marathon. So yeah. My um yeah, my old soccer crew joined me for two and a half to f- some for two, some for five K. So yeah, walk jo- and I can walk, like I don't have to run, it can be at any pace. Um I've walked with with um some of my cousins and friends so yeah there's no there's no set pace at all cool all right. awesome so with that um fundraising if people want to contribute to this cause how do they do that so it's all through um i've got a GoFundMe page it's it's the link is on my instagram so tip to toe 2022 or through the website so they're the best best two ways pretty much everything is through um yeah on, on instagram there'll be links to to everything there and you can just yeah see what's going on and where we are at all times as well and facebook sorry yeah good one do you want to um give a quick shout out to your sponsors as well i don't know if you were going to ask that too yeah yeah so my um shoe sponsor tarkine they're incredible um big big ups to track about campers who donated a off-road camper trailer which has pretty much been our home since day one um i've got some incredible food sponsors so i've got cliff Cliff Bar um, and also Market Organics have helped out as well with delivering some food. Um, yeah, clothing is Amble Outdoors. Um, I've got a Sunsense as a sunscreen sponsor, which is super important because I'm out there for four hours a day. Um, I'm going to miss a big one when you get in trouble. 
We can always put it <laughs> in the show notes as well. Yeah. So just let us know if anything else to mind. It's been a long day, I'm sure. <laughs> You're doing great. I'm going to get a phone call. Be like, um, yeah. <laughs> I think that's everyone. All right. And then to finish up um, our classic question. So just for context, if anyone hasn't listened to the podcast before, I used to coach little girls mountain biking in our trails sugar bag on the Sunshine Coast. And they couldn't make it through an hour of riding without needing to go to the toilet. And so their request to us used to be, can we go for a wild wee? So, and I know when you saw the show notes, Akani, you were like, oh, I've got a lot of wild wees. Would you like to tell us about your wildest wee? <laughs> My wildest wee would be in Yosemite National Park. And I was standing, um, yeah, on the very top of that. It was like a top of a rock. And you could, you know, that what's that famous one that, was that keeps getting climbed anyway i could see that that they did, they did a movie about it yeah el, Cap, um, el capitan probably yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, could, I could see that and i was like i was like oh i need to go that no, that was my wildest way um but there's probably been 700 wild ways <laughs> that's for sure <laughs> i guess you're out in the middle of nowhere it's just whenever you feel like it you can just go <laughs> There is no bathrooms from Cape York to like Cooktown. <laughs> You're an expert. I love yes. it. And then just a reminder, I know you did mention, but if people want to find you online, what's your Instagram handle? Yeah, it's tip to toe. So T-I-P underscore T-O underscore, uh, oh, yep, toe, T-O-E, <laughs> and then 2022. I made that really difficult. Tip to toe. <laughs> I just saw your brain just stall for a second yeah. there. I'm like, yeah, it's time to wrap it up. <laughs> I've done TO too many times. <laughs> TO to toe to toe. <laughs> to toe. Oh, dear. We are. On a maybe. I don't know. <laughs> well, we are so grateful for you sharing your time with us, Arcana. We know, like, you are obviously on this huge mission, and it's so cool for us to hear from you and for us to be able to share this with our listeners as well. So thank you so much. Oh, thank you. I, I, I love um, being like being invited onto a podcast that I've been so closely following for such a long time and the stories that have been shared have kind of kept me going as well while I'm out there. So it's almost a thank you right back at you because, yeah, you've kept me laughing and inspired for, yeah, 120-something days now. So thank you. Oh, bless. Yeah, and wishing you all the best for the rest. Yeah. We will keep following your progress and cheering you on, that's for sure. Oh, Almost there. You. Only less than 30 marathons. Oh, one month to go. <laughs> you. Awesome. Thank you so much, Akana. <laughs> Thank you both. Have a really good afternoon. I'm going to go jump in the tub. You too. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I hope it's got some magnesium in there. <laughs> See you later. See you. Thank you. Thanks for listening to another episode of Into the Wee Hours podcast. To get in touch, you can find us on Instagram at Into the Wee Hours Podcast or email us at Into the Wee Hours Podcast at gmail.com. On Instagram, Sarah is all the gear, nay idea, and that is N A E for all you non Scots people, and Kristen is at Kristen Vodden. To read the show notes or to listen on the website, you can visit into the forward slash podcast. And to help support this podcast, you can also head over to our Patreon page, which is patreon.com forward slash into the wee hours podcast. Happy adventuring and we will talk to you next time.